Welcome to the Home Buyer Club Podcast, helping you understand how to buy a home. From first looking at houses all the way through picking up the keys to your new home. The Home Buyer Club will be speaking with people in the industry to get expert advice to help you with your own home buying journey. I think you'll like this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Home Buyer Club podcast with me, Joe Thompson. Today, we have Chris Webb from Estate Agent Consultancy. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, Joe. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. Tradition of the podcast is we like to start with some quick fire questions just to get everyone loosened up. Well, you loosened up more than me because I don't answer. <laughs> I just ask. <laughs> so are you ready for the quick fire questions? Ready as I'll ever be. Go for it. <laughs> what would you prefer, house or flat? House. Reading or audiobook? Audiobook, definitely. Car or bike? Car. Long walk or Netflix? Long walk. Football or rugby? Can I say neither? Uh, if I had to, football. Yeah. Beer, <laughs> beer or wine? Oh, again, I'm going to say neither. I'm not a big drinker. Um, beer enough. if I had to, yeah. Yeah, okay. And last one, uh, staycation or vacation? Oh, definitely vacation, 100%, yeah. 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 See you later, UK. See you later, bad weather. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, uh, I've recently um, downloaded an audio book, and it's a game changer. It really is, because I read 20 pages of a book and I'll fall asleep, no matter what yep. time of the day it is. So an audio book is just continuous, and you can just get on with your day, can't you, whilst listening? Absolutely. I, um, I have tried so many times in my life to get into books, and I actually signed up to get a library card a little while ago, which is a man at 37 years old. I said, yeah, I walked in there, I was like, how do I... How do I join? How do I sign up? What do I need to do? So, do I pay somebody? Or, um, and um, I, I know that if I read for anything more than 20 minutes, the words will go in, but it will just disappear sort of thing. So but audiobooks, yes. yeah, I can do. Yeah, I went the other day for a three-hour walk, audiobook the whole time. No Brilliant. problem at all. So, um, yeah, audiobook yeah. for me. Yeah, visual reading stuff. Never been very good at audiobook. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah, I'm exactly the same without reading. I will read, won't take any of it in, and then go... I need to read this page again yep. <laughs> because I've literally Absol not listened or took yep. anything in. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, but the important <laughs> thing is that you know that. You know, the important thing is yeah. that you recognise the way your mind works and, you know, you recognise you can read for half an hour, an hour, whatever it may be, and it all works absolutely fine. But over that, you might as well not bother. You're doing it for the sake of doing it. Nothing's going in and you might as well do something else. That's completely, completely agree. So, neither football or rugby, what's your. Do you have a sport that you prefer? Is I I can say you made me sound really boring on this one. I said no to the beer or wine and no to the football or rugby. And yeah, so it's not very exciting, is it? Um, so uh, Formula One, I would say, um, though it can be a bit boring. I mean, Max Verstappen's doing annoyingly quite well. But um, yeah, so probably Formula One. If I was going to choose a sport, that'd be the go-to. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good go-to. I love Formula One as well. Uh, and it is very annoying that he's doing so well. And won every race so far. So that's, again, another it's, disgusting thing. It's the car. <laughs> it's, yes. it's not Max, it's the car. It's the car. <laughs> yes, let's say that. <laughs> uh, dear. Well, welcome to the podcast, Chris. And uh, can you just explain to the listeners what exactly you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the owner of the Estate Agent Consultancy, as you mentioned already. Um, I work with estate agents up and down the country to basically look at their business, look at their systems and processes as they do at the moment, um, and look to make them better effectively, um, and look to make their businesses more profitable, uh, better customer service, better customer retention. All these things basically make them better estate agents, is what I do. Brilliant. 
So where did the concept for the uh, consultancy come from? Yeah, sure. So um, before launching the estate and consulting, I'd been an estate agent for the last, I'll say 20 years. It was it was near enough to 20 years. Um, yeah. and sounds bad, I'd, doesn't it? it? It just rounds up nicely. Two decades yeah. sounds like a very long time. Um, it does. So... I always knew that I wanted to work for myself in, in some format. Didn't necessarily know what format that could be. Um, and the easy answer would be to work my own estate agency, obviously. Um, but I never really felt like that was something I wanted to do necessarily. Kind of once you've once you've dealt with estate agency for twenty years, um, the, the, there's not really many high highs or low lows. It's just estate agency, and it's just you know I've sold a house, I've listed a house, I've fallen through a house. It's, it's very kind of um, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, so to speak. Whereas you know the estate agent consulting is something very much brand new to me. So I I've done this, a very similar job for the last five years, working at the property franchise group, working with the franchises there, um, and so it aligned quite nicely to work with a limited number of clients and at any one time guys who really want to expand their business and grow their business and work with them on basic one-on-one basis to get them to kind of up to where they want to be so i knew i always wanted to work for myself just didn't quite know the format and i always knew that i wanted to work with a business that was kind of quite well aligned with the offices i work with so i've worked in quite a lot of franchise businesses i've worked at mm-hmm. uh, property franchise group worked at winkworth and uh, enfields which is a big franchise down south um, and i've always enjoyed that sort of alignment of you know, everyone's pulling in the same direction. You know, franchisor does well, therefore the franchisee does well, and everyone's kind of wants everyone else to win, sort of thing. So I've tried to align my business as much as I possibly can with the guys I work with. So, um, so if they do well, great. The estate agent consultancy does well. If they don't do well, then it's all free of charge. So it's um, you know, it's about as black and white as that. Right, that's brilliant. So it's literally, uh, uh, yeah, I like that. It's literally you win, we all win type of scenario exactly. in that isn't it absolutely right absolutely right yeah I, there were lots of models i could have gone down the route of you know paid by oh, hour or paid by this oh i'm still here you frozen chris <laughs> oh have i sure put some hold music in oh there we're yeah, back da, 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 da. oh we're back there we go <laughs> so i lost yeah. lost you momentarily there. that's all right no from at all no from at all um so yeah actually right so i don't know where you heard up to but i, I could have worked it in a way of you know doing you know pound per hour or whatever it may be but yeah i wanted yeah. that alignment to go right you know you guys do well we do well everyone does well therefore you know if you have a bad month we have a bad month if you have a great month we have a great month so that's kind of how i like it to be it's one of these things isn't it going self-employed it's it's one of those thoughts that a lot of people have but taking action to do that is is scary a little bit isn't it yeah going on well the, you know the when i was to work for the the larger um, corporate franchises I would speak to people all day long who wanted to become estate agents and sign up and be self-employed and all that sort of thing. And I'd always say to them, look, if you if you know you want to be self-employed, that is going to be with you for the rest of your life. So you've got two options. Either you do something about it and you go self-employed and cool, and it might work, it might not work out, but at least you know what's going on there. Or you live the rest of your life thinking, I wish I gave that a go when I was 25, or I wish I gave that a go when I was 50, or whatever it may be. So those are your choices. Pick one, either go for it and you can complain about it fresh or not complain about it fresh your life, or you can not go for it and you can just wonder what if for the rest of your life. That's so, it. you know, I kind of had to listen to my own advice there and go, well, if I don't do it myself, then I'll always wonder kind of shoulda, woulda, coulda for the next 50 years or so. So, uh, yeah, here we are. Good. Well, that's, I'm glad that you took the plunge. And uh, from what you said to me earlier, uh, it sounds like you're doing really well with it. So, congratulations so far. Thank you. Uh, so, to going back 20 years or 20-ish years, what, what made you decide to become an estate agent? Yeah, so does anyone ever decide to become an estate agent? That's the big question. Does anyone ever go to their career fair at school and go, I know what I like to do. I'm, I'm good with keys. 
Um, so I left college. Uh, well, I left college, finished college, um, and then didn't really know what I wanted to do from there. Um, and like any good parents, my, they urged me quite drastically to get a job and start paying my way and whatever else it may be. Um, I had a saw in the paper, or I think actually my mum saw in the paper, how embarrassing is that, that um, Hamptons in Winchester were offering for a sales negotiator. Um, and I went for the first interview, had no idea what I was talking about, you know, 18 years old, very wet part of the years, didn't know much about anything at that stage. Um, sort of blagged some of it, should we say. Um, and then the guy <laughs> said, oh, you've, you've done quite well. I'm going to get you back to have a chat with the regional director uh, uh, tomorrow if you're if you're around something. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm really busy. I wasn't. I was absolutely free and uh, booked in for a meeting tomorrow. He said, oh, by, by the way, do you, do you have a suit at all? Because I'd worn just like school trousers and a shirt sort of thing and I was like oh yeah yeah definitely I've definitely got a suit so they definitely got a suit um, you know as soon as I got home mum we need to get a suit as soon as possible sort of thing. so I went to uh, Marks and Spencer's uh, Winchester that night uh, bought my first suit it was probably terrible as I'd imagine uh, had the interview the next day and then proceeded to not get the job so that was a very oh, good no. <laughs> um, so they uh, they offered it to someone with uh, a lot more experience than I had, but um, I, yeah, I, I thought to myself, okay. But the, the the stuff the chap was saying to me about what they do and the day in day out, I thought actually that does sound quite good, and I quite like talking dealing with people, and I quite like sales and all that sort of stuff. So I then that night wrote a a generic letter saying, I am Chris Webb. I'm looking to become an estate agent. Here's my CV. Let us know if you've got any opportunities. Um, I then hand delivered that to every estate agent's office overnight, put it under their post box, under their front door, and in their post box overnight, sort of thing. Um, and I had one estate agent phone back the next day saying, "Good timing. We're looking for someone to come on board as a junior negotiator." Um, and um, so I then had an interview the very next day, and I think the start of the day after that, sort of thing, with those guys. Um, and oh, yeah. Um, turns out my so uh, people in the industry will know Ian McKenzie so Ian McKenzie was my first boss who was the chap who answered that letter uh, Ian is now the CEO of the Guild of Estate Agents so Ian's you know kind of like king of estate agents now sort of thing top of the yeah, tree and he wow. was my first boss off the back of that letter so uh, that explains how I got my first job and uh, I was uh, I don't say the weekend guys so I worked uh, my working week was uh, Thursday to Tuesday so I had Wednesday off every week so I worked Saturday, Sunday everything else yeah, wow. try and be 18 years old and having a social life when you've just got a you know a Wednesday off one day a week and all your friends yeah. are at work or at university. Went fantastic. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, that was how I got into a state agency and uh, yeah, went from there. Oh wow, that's uh, and that's such a, a great grounding, isn't it? By having someone of his stature teaching you. Obviously, at the time you don't really know that, but now looking at, in hindsight, looking back, that's a, that's a really good teacher, I guess. Very much so. It was very much uh, welcome to the deep end. Swim. That, yeah. that was it sort of thing it was a you know it was the the top performing office in in Winchester and at the time Winchester was the number one place to live in the country um and so it was very busy lots of clients lots of viewings lots of valuations all day long you know to start off with I would just do viewings and I'd leave the office at 9 30 in the morning and I'd get back at you know 5 30 at night six o'clock in the evening you know with a handful of keys sort of thing right there's the keys for the day what we're going to write it's just viewings 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 you know half an hour 45 slots all all day every day right sandwich in the car also it was you know very go 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 but it was very you know as I said into the deep end baptism is a fire you're going to meet 50 people per day who are quite well networked people in Winchester get on with it sort of thing so uh, yeah that was the, the the initiation should we say yeah, it's a good job you had your Marks and Spencer's suit on if you were meeting them people as well. 
I know. <laughs> yeah, what was even more embarrassing is that we used to run the, um, back when newspaper advertising was a big deal, we used to have the centre page on the Winchester paper, whatever it was called, and we used to have all our staff photographs on the top, um, and got my photograph. I still remember it now, like blonde highlights and horrible suit and whatever. And I used to get people that I used to go to school and say, I'll see your picture on the paper. And I think, oh my goodness, please, no, don't send me no. that picture. So, uh, yeah. There we go. Keep it worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's funny when you said uh, your mum found a job in the paper. It did make me chuckle a little bit because I was thinking, God, that is old school, isn't it? I remember looking Very through much. the paper looking for jobs. I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so, no. I don't, I don't think that's the thing anymore. Just uh, go on to Google, type away, and fingers crossed you find something. That's it. That's the beauty of LinkedIn. Nowadays, people reach out to you to give you jobs. Rather I know. Than the other way absolutely. Around, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people who get messaged me saying, would you like to come and work for us? And I'm like, no, no, I own my own business. I, I, I'm my own boss already. I don't need, I don't need another boss. Thank you very <laughs> much. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do love that. It's funny how when you do that, the recruiters, it's like they send you a lovely message, but actually don't read your profile. So don't actually know your situation. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Nice, uh, you know, machine, machine gun spray and pray. Never worked very well. No, no, it really doesn't. <laughs> so you've, uh, so we've discussed how you got into being a state agent and that. So when you were, that's 20 years there of a state agency, how, how many funny stories have you got in your locker about a state agency? You must have a fair uh, few. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've got a, a fair few from various things. I've, it's usually not the funny ones that stand in mind. It's the ones I've been like terrified. You know, things you think, "Oh my goodness, like, what is going on here?" Sort of thing. So I remember one of the ones that always stands out is when I was working in Basingstoke, and we'd just taken a property on the market, and we'd done all the photographs, and it was doing the first day of the viewings. And as we literally walked around the corner, stepped foot on the driveway, the police literally skidded onto the driveway, you know, about three, four police cars just turned up all in time, all sirens blazing sort of thing. Um, and basically what had happened is about a minute before, two minutes before, someone had jumped the, jumped the back fence, kind of kicked their back doors into their property, gone through the house, picked up their TV, picked up their keys to their brand new Range Rover, put the TV in the back of the Range Rover, and then driven off. And so that was a slight... Um, questioning from the police for the police saying why am i here or what am i doing there and i was like i'm the, I'm the estate agent we're selling the house look here's our details with the range rover in the driveway it was there what we did yesterday sort of thing so um yeah loads of stuff like that that um, are entertaining stories you see some um you see some sights can we say so uh, yeah you certainly um yeah certainly when i went, was working in winchester and you still with a lot quite a lot of student places it's actually quite entertaining about what's going on and people kind of you know coming back from parties at you know 11 o'clock in the morning and for yeah all this sort of stuff so yeah loads of stuff like that so yeah it's definitely a uh, an entertaining world of state agency so yes. you get to see the all, all sides of humanity that's it it's funny because i think there's uh, there's a bit of a, a misconception at times when people know uh, about a state agency i think they think that everything is selling sunset now because it's been glo yep. glamorized and uh paraded on tv they think that people are like that and it's really not <laughs> really no really not, not. not at all and the thing i actually i wouldn't say struggled with but the thing i got into my head very quickly is because every time i ever went to a stranger's house aka a client or someone who's on the market's house sort of thing it'd always be immaculate it'd always be you know most of them you know go to especially winter it's very affluent area so it'd be you know that had the cleaners in it would be you know absolutely spotless i go to my friend's house and i'm like how do you live like this <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. have you yeah, like you've, you've got a cup on the side, like what, what are you doing sort of thing? So whereas every property I went to for 10 hours a day was just 
spotless you know absolutely you know carpet has got the stripes in it everything was absolutely immaculate sort of thing so it very much raised my expectation about how the average person lived yes. but uh, yeah going to some of the student places certainly dragged that down very quickly yes i spoke to uh, a letting agent recently called alex hughes he uh, deals with properties in sheffield and he specializes in um student accommodation and here's some of the stories he told me on the podcast yeah. and off the podcast were brilliant yeah. and very yeah. eye-opening it really was <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah you go into a you go into a student rental house anywhere before two o'clock in the afternoon one of them is going to be in bed i guarantee it, and you're looking to knock on that front door for as long as you like and say hello i'm from the estate agent i'm coming in sort of thing and they'll still be in bed so uh it's almost a guarantee but they don't it's not like they get out of bed either they're just like, all right yeah come on in lying in bed still yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Absolutely. I did see, I did laugh when I saw a, um, I think it was an article where like, I highlighted things on Rightmove and it was a, a picture of someone in bed and they were just like peering over their bed covers on the estate agent picture of the room sort of thing. You think, oh my goodness, we've all been there. At least they'll get out of bed and you know, come back in two minutes. <laughs> That's it. Oh dear. So how do you best help estate agents? Yeah, big, big question there. So um, it's all completely bespoke. So there is no sort of one size fits all. Um, effectively, we'll look at their business, their, what ultimately their goal is of their business. For some people, they want to always be a one person band and they just want to be, you know, make more money and have less to do. That's fine. Other people want to, you know, take offices and territories and bring on staff and teams and whatever else it may be. So it depends a little bit on where they want to get to in their business. Um, then we'll look at their um, sales funnel ultimately. And we'll look at whether they're getting enough leads into their business, getting enough market appraisals, are they selling enough of those properties, right there through from start to finish. That will highlight any problems very, very quickly. Okay, let's say, for example, they say, I want to be a, a one-person band, Chris, and I want to earn £100,000 a year. Well, I'll go, well, in the current ratio, you need to speak to a lot of people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, more than is probably possible because your conversions aren't good enough. So actually, let's improve those conversions and the marketing you're doing it all in one time and your sales funnel's gonna improve very, very quickly. Um, so that's probably the, the core overview of what I do. But as I said, it varies massively. I mean, probably the biggest issue that estate agents come up against is getting leads into their business. Um, estate agents are great at estate agency, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna you know, be a great estate agency business overall, um, because what they're not particularly fantastic at is kind of telling about their successes and spreading out that good news. So you know, if you are a, a 10 out of 10 estate agent, you're the best estate agent in your town or county, but your communication is only three out of 10 saying how good you are at that, you know, that job, the public think you're a three out of 10 estate agent. You know, that is, that is ultimate. You, know, you can be the best kept secret in the world, but if, you're, if you can't communicate it and say, I've done a great job for this house, I've helped these homeowners, I've helped this person find a property, everyone's gonna think you're three out of 10. So actually, a lot of the work I do is kind of making them the, Know, the worst kept secret effectively in their town and go right you know you've had this success tell everybody right you've had this success tell everybody this is the step you should be going through to make sure you're turning one instructions two instructions telling three sold into five sold sort of thing because it's kind of that personal PR and personal brand to get that message out and that recognition out as far as you possibly can so that in a nutshell is what I look at but certainly the main thing that's saying has come to me is say I need more leads into my business. I need I need to get in front of more people. Once I'm in front of enough people, I'll convert well. But I just need to get more kind of bums on seats in front of me. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's uh, that's so common across the whole industry, isn't it? Um, from mortgage advisors, conveyances. It's about having you could be the best at anything, but 
if no one knows about yep, it, absolutely. then they're not going to come, are they? Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's so key it, it, to get yourself out there. Sorry. Yeah, it's 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 maybe it's the the British stiff upper lip or whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I can't imagine the American realtors have such an issue with you know pronouncing about how well they're doing and what a great job they've done, sort of thing. Whereas the British, you know, stiff upper lip and good old chap sort of thing. You know, let's not talk about you know what we've done and our successes. And let's be reserved about it. We're very much in that mindset. So yes. a lot of it is, you know, it's not about bragging or boasting. It's just saying, I've done a great job. Isn't that great? You know, I could do a good job for you too. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so true. It, it, is a, it is a barrier to get over because, like you say, people don't like to brag. But like you say, it's not about bragging per se. It's just saying, I've done this. Yeah, exactly. It's like people come to me quite a lot and say, oh, so-and-so estate agents going around saying that I'm doing X, Y, and Z and I'm not selling properties at a certain speed or I'm not getting enough money for it sort of thing. I'm going, right, okay, well, have you got figures and facts that back up what you're saying is correct and you actually do those things and you actually you're doing a brilliant job? And they go, yeah, well, I'm like, great. Well, you don't need to, you know, slag them off and talk badly of them. You just need to show the figures to show actually I am better. You don't need to say they're bad and I'm great. You just show, here's the facts. You make up your own decision. You know, I've got a homeowner who couldn't sell their property with another estate agent. Now they sold it with me. The results speak for themselves. I'm not saying they've done a bad job or I've done a great job. I'm just saying that's what happened and this is the result of it. You can make your own decision whether I'm better than them or not. The results would say yes, but you can make your own mind upon that. What would you do to change the industry? Oh my goodness. Wow. It's like if, if Chris Webb was Prime Minister. Um, yes. What would Prime I do Minister to change... of Home Buying. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do a controversial one, um, and okay. that is bring in more regulation. Okay, no, I like that. That is, that is an answer you don't get many estate agents say, I'd imagine, because um, it can be not particularly Wild Westy. I mean, as an estate agent, there's not many rules you have to go by. On the letting side, yes, but on the sales side, not so much. I mean, the, the rules are basically put forward an offer in writing, you know, within 24 hours, and make sure you don't withhold any offers. Outside of that, you're pretty much okay. Um, the the low level of entry means that the bar is always going to be quite low for estate agents because you could turn up and go to a you know a partner agent and say oh can I be an estate agent with you and you can keep thirty percent or whatever they do and they'll probably take you on board so that is going to keep the bar low within the estate agency because I wouldn't say anybody could do it but you can, anybody can try to do it certainly um, and also it means that's a very congested highway in the world of estate agencies there's a lot of people so you know if a homeowner wants to find a cheap estate agent they can find a cheap estate agent because there's so many people coming on you know trying to be it so that they can there's the options are there sort of thing whereas if the regulation was there two ways is going to help us out number one is that it's a higher bar of entry so therefore you have to have a qualification in whatever way that may look and obviously this is coming through with roper at the moment at some point maybe um and that kind of regulation makes it a higher bar for entry um also estate agencies complain about fees into their business and being able to charge more regulation will put a higher bar and will allow you to charge more fees because if estate agents have to pay I don't know, let's pick a round figure let's say they pay, pay £10,000 to become an estate agent and pass some enormous course to become an estate agent this isn't going to happen by the way but hypothetically yeah. you know, <laughs> would they would they sell their services for £750 for selling a property no because they would go I've just paid £10,000 to become an estate agent I need to make that money back and some there's less estate agents around because there's this £10,000 plus qualification so therefore fees are going to go up to reflect that so if a state agent wants their, want their fees to go up in a meaningful way, you know, up to in line with the rest of the world, regulation needs to come in. But also in that process as well, it will help sort of clean up the industry, I suppose. 
Yes, I, I agree. I like that. That's, um, that's a good way of putting it as well. And, and I imagine there'll be a lot of pushback from estate agents who go, oh, more regulation. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. Absolutely. However, when you flip it and talk about them earning more money, that's a, that's a win for them, isn't it? Absolutely. Suddenly, suddenly they are very interested in that sort of thing. Mm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the regulation coming in will be... Yes, it will be slightly painful when it first comes in. You'll get people who go, I've been an estate agent for 50 years and I've never needed these regulations before. But it isn't sort of for today, it's for tomorrow, if that makes sense. So, you yes. know, the guys that have been doing it and doing a good job for the last 50 years, you probably are doing a good job because you've been doing it for 50 years and if you're that bad, you probably wouldn't still be in business. But it's the, the newer people coming into it. If we raise that bar up down low, you know, that bar will spread throughout the industry as well. So yeah. you know, I can only see that as a good thing. What I what always sort of gets me a little bit um, is if you sort of compare buying a house to like buying a car, you buy a car um, with an MOT. It tells you what's wrong with the car, if there's any issues. You don't really get that with buying a house. You can view a house for half an hour and then six months later, you've got the keys. And it's up to you if you want to get a, a, a report done or anything like that. I just find I'll that. Pa I'll, pa bonkers. I'll pause you there, Joe, because you yeah. broke up on there, so I missed the important part oh. of the question. <laughs> oh no! So I, I heard up to uh, if you're buying a house similar to buying a car. That right at the beginning part right. of it. So got to... <laughs> right. So what I was saying is, buy, when you buy a when you buy a house, um, sorry, when you buy a car, sorry, it comes with an MOT. You know that yep. it's roadworthy for for twelve months or however left on the, uh, the MOT, um, and most um, car garages will provide a warranty as well. So yep. if there is anything, you can take it back and, you know, have that discussion and and it'll be, it'll be fixed. With a house, you can literally go view it for half an hour and then six months later, you've got the keys and you, you own the house. And it's up to you whether you have a survey done, which not a lot of people do. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just... It's just bonkers that such a big transaction like buying a house comes with no guarantees or anything like that, that you're buying a, 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 yep. a good house, really. Yep. I think it's, um, you know, even down to the viewing process of doing offers on a property, you know, people view houses, they might have one viewing on a property which might last 15, 20 minutes. You know, you go for a test drive in a five grand car, it probably lasts longer than that sort of thing. And I think that the... The issue for a lot of the public is they don't know what to ask necessarily. Um, yeah. They go, oh, this is the bedroom, this is the kitchen. You're like, okay, cool, that's a sink. Okay, that's a window. Great. Okay, that's a door. And you know, the only questions they really know what to ask is, you know, how long has it been on the market for or where the homeowner's moving to maybe? Are they open to an offer? You know, outside of that, you know, where's the boiler? Where's the fuse board? Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very stereotypical eight to 10 questions you get asked on a viewing and very, very seldom does anyone ask anything outside of that. So I think the, the knowledge level for people buying properties about what to ask and maybe not what to, not, not what to ask um, is fairly low. Um, obviously, you've got surveys on there as well. And I think in most situations, I would recommend getting a survey, even if it's just kind of, you know, to help you sleep at night effectively. Um, you know, I know survey reports will bring up certain items that they won't sort of cover things like boilers, for example, or the, you know, the electrics, obviously they're not gas engineers, and they're not electricians, but from a peace of mind to say, actually, if there's anything whopping that they've missed, you can obviously claim back and say, actually, you should have highlighted that to me. You know, it's like anything, you know, you don't need insurance until you need it. So you don't need a home buyer survey or a structural survey in a property until your roof blows off and you think, self, probably should have got that. So 
it's Got it's about kind of covering your base on that <laughs> side and making sure that is the right stage for you. But yeah, I think you know if it, if in doubt, I would say that survey is definitely the way to go forward with it. Yeah, I agree. I really do agree. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, bit going back to being an estate agent, what would you say is the biggest advice you could give someone looking to sell their house? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so if I was looking, if I knew nothing about the estate agents in the area, um, my t- two things I'd probably do look at. I'd first, firstly, I would go on to Rightmove, look at how people present their properties. Um, and I would see, you know, that's a good sign. If they haven't got very good presentation of their property, um, it's like the whole, you know, dirty um, <laughs> plane table, isn't it? The whole, if you've got a dirty plane table, then, you know, the engines might fall off sort of things. Very similar sort yeah. of thing. If you're not very good at state at presenting your properties and you can't, you know, it seems very kind of just thrown online and throw against the wall and, you know, I've got 10 instructions and those photographs will do and I did it with my phone sort of thing, then chances are behind the scenes, it's probably they're going to reflect their customer service. You know, that, that's ultimately the way I'd look at it. Um, if you're if you're really on the fence about an estate agent to use up, I would I don't say mystery shop, but I would say trial that estate agent. You know, phone up an estate agent and say, Hi, can you tell me about that property or can you send me a set of details or you know, can I book to view that property if you really want to? Um, you'll get a really good idea about what they're about within two minutes of that transaction. You know, if they haven't got the time of day for you and it's very like, yeah, I'll send you the details, bye, you know, see you later sort of thing, then chances are that that is probably how they're going to be with people who are looking to buy your property. Um, so that is going to be reflective of the experience that your buyers are going to have. So therefore, it's not be, you know, it's going to be reflective across the board. Whereas if you phone somebody up and they go, yeah, great, you know, where are you living, what are you doing, what's your plans, you know, that's exciting, you've got a lovely area around there, you probably go, actually, they've done such a good job on the phone, I'll just invite them out now and say, actually, I was just mystery shopping you guys, but you've done such a good job, actually. Can you come around the value of my property? Or actually, yeah. you know, I was just going to get some details from you. So, you know, I think look on right me first of all, see how properties are presented, know kind of what they do on that side. Um, and second thing is have a communication with them in some way um, to see what they're about. Yeah, I, I mean, like ultimately, if you've lived in an area for a period of time, you would have seen for sale boards up, you would have seen sold boards, you should have had some marketing through from local estate agents. So you should touch wood fingers crossed have some idea about what estate agents are doing in your area what sort of properties they deal with their sort of presentation etc um if you don't then get them to call me <laughs> <laughs> i like that <laughs> very good what is your dream home this is going to sound like a bit of a weird answer but i'm personally if someone said to me you've won the lottery tomorrow i wouldn't get that fancier house so <laughs> i think for me i would get a um does it have to be in the UK or can you go international? Anywhere you want. Yeah, anywhere. Ooh, okay. I would get a very nice house in the south of France, um, probably somewhere like Cannes or Nice. I mean, there's no questions. I'd go Monaco, but trying to get a house in Monaco is very hard. Yes. Pushed. Um, somewhere like that. Um, nice view of the sea. Nice swimming pool. Not massive. You know, three, four bedroom detached house, ensuite or two. You know, probably 3,000 square foot sort of direction. So a big, you know, big sort of ish family home but nothing mega i'm very you know I've, I've been to multi 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 million pound houses i've seen houses that are like hotel sort of thing and i think yeah it's nice but i'm not like wow i need to get one of these sort of thing you know for me you know I, I like a decent property and you know as long as it provides everything it needs for me then that's absolutely fine yeah you gotta remember you gotta clean it if it's massive Oof. exactly you think, think that heating bill these days yeah so needs to be south of france but in the uk your heating bills me through the roof that's it <laughs> do you know what makes me laugh uh, so a lot of properties 
abroad when you've been abroad and stayed in apartments and things like that it's all tiled floors isn't it because yep. of the heat so before i was a mortgage advisor i lived in cyprus uh because i was in the military and the the british houses that were built out there for for british personnel all had carpet in them even though it was like 30 to 40 degree heat in yeah. the summer they all had carpet because the brits love carpet <laughs> absolutely that's this you want when it's 30 degrees outside a nice thick you know shaggy carpet so they yeah. run into your toes what else could you want <laughs> exactly it's amazing it's brilliant oh dear chris thank you very much for coming on today i really appreciate your time that's no, more than a pleasure thank you so much it's been a, been very fun thank you thank you for listening to the home buyer club podcast if you've liked the episode please leave a comment below for more episodes like this, don't forget to like and subscribe, and I'll see you in the next one.